Once Upon a Time, Season 5, Episode 9 is over, but we are just getting started here on Once Upon a Recap. Hello, all you magical people out there. My name is Mike Bloom, one of the co-hosts of Once Upon a Recap, and I am joined by someone who just gave me a wood carving of a survey monkey. It's Kurt Clark. Kurt, how you doing? I'm doing great. How about you, Mike Bloom? I better not turn into a survey monkey now, Kurt. No, no, I think you'll be fine. I think you'll be fine. My poll will not be happy. Oh, enough of... <laughs> Here we are, Kurt. Oh, boy. <laughs> we are in the second part of the two-hour block that Once Upon a Time aired on Sunday, November 15th. A very different uh, second hour that has uh, earned a very interesting reaction from an online crowd that I've seen thus far. I mean, let's talk a little bit generally about the episode, Kurt. I feel like this epi- this, benef- this does not benefit from good timing, right? No. Yeah, if. I understand the kind of the need to kind of bunch two episodes back to back, but you know, the first half of this, which we discussed last week, wink, wink, uh, is it was so kind of, you know, action packed. This is like, you know, screeching on the brakes. And if they could have done a double episode next time, or if they could have paired this episode, the, the previous episode, uh, where, you know, hook becomes dark hook. You know, if they could have paired that up with the previous week, you would have had a stellar, two-hour session but it this it just this just suffered and i know we had talked a little bit offline about how it would have been so much better if the, the episodes had been reversed but you couldn't do that because zelina mm-hmm. and arthur were in this episode after escaping from the woods um we'll talk a little bit more about that but it was yeah it was just i don't i don't i don't know um it, it, it's you know shades of walking dead like this was this was i don't i don't want to call this the morgan episode that followed the uh, big you, char- you, character you can, episode. You can go ahead because I have no idea what you're talking about. So. Oh, but, but for the listeners out there, um, you know, there was obviously a huge event that happened in The Walking Dead and everyone was hoping for some resolution in the following episode. And they got kind of a character development episode. The same thing happened here, except the, the Morgan episode at least was really good. <laughs> um, although I ended up liking this episode a lot more than I thought I would after like the first 10 minutes of it. It ended up in a place where I actually... I ended up enjoying this episode somewhat. It just was unfortunate that it had to be a follow-up to uh, episode eight birth. Yeah. So I would say that I, I think, and I thought we also talked offline about this. I'd wish that they even like had they, I mean, the AMAs, they must've decided upon this a while ago. So they knew what they were going to bunch up. I'd wish they almost pushed everything back a week where the premiere happened a week earlier so mm. that the two, the pairing we would get would be this and episode 10. So at least we would end on an episode that, relates somewhat to the plot because i mean i will say i was fine with this episode but it it was it related absolutely nothing to what was going on we found out that like oh this is maybe how merida gets back into the story but that was it i mean i and i know i made this comparison to the nimoy episode but i feel like this is the much more relevant one and i'm gonna go my own you went the walking dead route i'm gonna go the lost route here i'm thinking about the uh the third to last episode where spoiler alert like sun and Jin die and saeed dies and then this, the episode after that we get across the sea which is the jacob and the man in black origin story and that pissed a lot of people off because they wanted to find out what the hell happened and i have a feeling that there's a similar mentality going on here where they dropped probably again as we talked about last week one of the biggest twists in the show's history and they're going to unfortunately follow it up now immediately with a story that has nothing to do with what's going on return of the creepy redheads only peripherally 
They yeah. didn't. <laughs> they, they, I was like, I, we, we, we got to see the creepy redhead triplets a little bit at, at the coronation. Um, but yeah, I thought we were done. I, I honestly thought that uh, once Merida, uh, uh, you know, brought Belle with her to Dunbar, uh, that's. You did a good job pronouncing that, Kurt. Thank you. I just put a lot of guttural. I've had a cold, so it was easy to pronounce. <laughs> um, yeah, that that we are done. You know, I even said, I think last time that, you know what? We thought we were going to get a Merida backstory and we kind of did, but it was all told in narrative over the course of two minutes. And I thought, okay, we'll have to settle for that. But nope, they blessed us with a, a full on flashback. <laughs> Yeah, it's and this was, you know, we've seen full on flashback episodes earlier this season. So it's not like it came out of nowhere, right? We had the uh, Broken Kingdom on, which was focused around Arthur. And we had one scene in Storybrooke in Nimue that happened two weeks ago. We had like, I think, two scenes in Storybrooke. This had nothing. And Kurt, I mean, should I drop the F word here? Should I call it a filler episode? Or do you think it has more merit than that? I'm trying to think if... um. The only I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of at the end if there's anything different than in the beginning. The only thing that's different, and you know, y- y- this isn't a spoiler because everybody's probably seen the episode. The only thing that's different at the end of this is that Merida understands who killed her father, and she's heading to Camelot to take vengeance. Yeah, that's that. She she has literally become Inigo Montoya over the course of forty two minutes. <laughs> yes, uh, Arthur. I don't know how many fingers he has on his hand, but um, <laughs> the it's. The only way that this episode potentially impacts the future storyline, or actually, no, I guess it's it's the past storyline because this is all happening in Camelot as you know, before everyone gets taken back to Storybrooke, or sorry, in the 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 world of this place. Um, the only thing that really this this potentially impacts is that after Emma brings Hook back to life as the Dark One, is that Merida shows up wanting to kill. Uh, Arthur mm-hmm. uh, and I'm, but I'm not sure where if that adds to anything but I mean, we'll have yeah. to see but otherwise yeah I will co-sign uh, filler yeah I would and I would it's unfortunate because again this season has been awesome so far but this almost feels like an episode they would throw into like season two to just like pad things out I mean it itself reminds me of the flashback episode i think it was from season three where which actually ironically featured excalibur i don't know if you remember it kurt it was the david and mary margaret one where david it was like it's it's around the same theme which is like there's this magical object that's supposed to give you strength and this person thinks that they were using it but it turns out that it was a fake all along and they were actually using their own skills and like we'll talk we'll talk more about the helm later but i for one completely saw the oh fergus threw it in the through the real helm in the lake twist coming yeah i was thinking that as well um, so it's, it, it's, uh, I wondered where he got a copy helm and I was like wondering, is that the same? Uh, I wasn't a hundred percent sure. I don't think I was yeah. as certain as you. Uh, but I, I, I saw that as a complete, as a definite, uh, option for where, where things were going. So let's start off here. Uh, we see Zelina and Arthur in this, I guess this will run sort of tangential to the, uh, dark one stuff we see at the end of the previous episode, but Arthur is still reeling post punch and they're arguing about, you know, the, the failure that they, that they went through, but they realize they both kind of need each other here. And Arthur says, well, look, I can rally my knights to fight these guys, but they need motivation. And we can find that motivation in a place called Dunbrock. 
Yeah. And he's like, and I need your help to get there. Take us there. I'm like, it can't be that far. Bell freaking rode there. Like, yeah, like, she was, she was there. Oh, she was, she got knocked out and woke up overnight and she was, they were basically there. So yeah, it, um, but I mean, we, it, we're getting a definite picture almost that, um, and we had a question about this, uh, in the last Merida episode and, and, and in terms of the location of Dombroch to, to Camelot, you know, it's just across was the ivory sea. Um, but and maybe he just maybe he just didn't have a boat. It got stolen. That's why he needed her to transport. Oh yeah, that's there. right. Meredith did steal his boat. <laughs> yeah. Um, the uh, it, it's definitely you kind of have a British Isles type of world going on here between the Southern Lands and the Northern Moors, and and I you know we believe that all this is kind of at least somehow tangential or at least near Misthaven slash Enchanted Forest. I do. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's not. A, I don't get the feeling it's a completely different world. Like. Uh, Neverland or like Dr. Frankenstein's black and white world, which I really, really wish we could <laughs> or, get more or of. Or Cruella DeVille's 20s world. Yeah. I, I still think that, yeah, I think that that's exactly. Um, but yeah, they end up teleporting there. Yeah. I, no, like, this is a weird theory, but see if you can roll me with me on this one. What if this whole realm is basically modeled after Europe? Like, what if it actually looks like Europe where, you know, the, the UK is still the UK and Mist Haven is in, I don't know, like France. And then, you know, that means that where Frozen took, take, took place um, is still in like Scandinavia where it does take place in the movie. So basically, this entire realm is outfitted to look like Europe just across the entire world. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I think the fact that many of the kind of the, the feel of many fairy tales is kind of a generic medieval times castles, you know, castles and princesses feel. And that's, you know, native to kind of like our image of like how Europe was back in the middle ages. Uh, I, I, it could very well be, it'd be interesting to see then, uh, you know, well, what, uh, what part of the fairy tale world is technically Italy or what is Germany? But I think, yeah, we've, I, I would have kind of crafted, you know, Enchanted Forest maybe in Wales rather mm-hmm. than all going all the way to France or the main, I was kind of keeping it to the British Isles, but yeah, but definitely Scandinavia. They, we know that there's a, across the sea and by sailing by, by large ship, not by rowboat. Yeah. Um, that you know, I you know, I'm I'm liking this. I'd like to see it blown out more. Uh, uh, actually, maybe maybe we should make France for the uh, the Coneheads episodes. They do. That's where they're from. We're from France. We're from France. Yeah. Uh, so we go to Dunbrock here as uh, we sort of pick off. I guess I'm assuming it happened right after Belle helped Merida believe in herself. Where yeah. she leaves a rose at her father's grave and sort of um, it gives some exposition here or a recap of oh I saved her brothers and I proved myself to the clans. And now uh, it's time for the coronation. But before that, we flash back to several years earlier and we see the first and I'm, I'm assuming only appearance uh, of King Fergus who will appear throughout this episode. But that might be it. Uh, now, I know you haven't seen Brave Kurt, but what are your overall thoughts on King Fergus? Before we flash back, I still have one thing to talk about at dad's grave. I thought Pocahontas showed up there. I did not realize that that was her mom at first. I was like, who is this person? Oh yeah. So that's, that's her mom. That's <laughs> the mom that's turned into a bear. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and seriously, I was like, who, and I was like, this isn't Pocahontas, is it? Cause she kind of had this Pocahontas look to her, but yeah. closed captioning re- revealed that is Eleanor. So apparently mm-hmm. like, okay. And I wasn't exactly sure who it was and said, you know, she said that, you know, I miss him too. So I started to kind of put, you know, two and two together and uh, figured out it was his mom. Um, yeah. Yeah, 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 and then I I pretty quickly then figured out with the the flashback. My guess was, given the color of the hair, that this was you know King Fergus Merida's dad, um, and he's you know storming the witch's cottage. Um, 
I wasn't quite sure where this was going. I was just, I just kind of, because he said, I haven't seen brave. So I mm-hmm. just kind of sat back and, and absorbed it. And, and, you know, sure enough, he's, he's less mad about the fact that the witch turned his wife and boys into bears and gave his daughter magic and more with like, how come I was left out of the whole magic dealing out thing? I, I need some help with these uh, invaders attacking from the South, something that will ensure the future yeah. of my kingdom. And the, uh, the timeline's a little wonky on this, and maybe that's why they chose to remain vague and said several years earlier, because, I mean, it seems like he's he went here like, you would, you would assume from his tone that he went here like right after the events of Brave, and he was like anger fresh from finding out that his children got turned into bears. But, I mean, if we're to believe that, the like seeing Merida and her and her brothers nowadays are like ten years after the events of Brave. I feel like that doesn't line up. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna have to 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 plead the fifth on on, on timeline issues here with the movie. Um, yeah. Although I was surprised that she made him a helm. I was expecting her to give him a potion that would turn him into a bear. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's honestly like the extent of the only magic that we've seen her do was from the movie where she makes carvings and she also makes um she doesn't make potions as much as she makes uh cakes and the in the movie it was eating a cake that turned people into bears uh did but she I, did, did she look like the witch in the movie yes okay uh, good. I, I would actually say that uh the, both the casting of fergus and the witch did a great job of looking like the cartoon characters and this is actually a perfect time for me to issue a correction here i was complaining last time about how the clansmen did not look like the clansmen in the movie when I actually got a correction from a listener that those are indeed the sons of the Klansmen, uh, the sons that were up to become Merida's uh, new groom, new husband to rule over the kingdom that they ended up actually didn't end up doing. Uh, but if you look at the sons cartoon characters compared to the actors, they look very much alike. So, oh, that's nice. I, so I, I've, I am uh, issuing an apology to the once upon a time production team. You did get your casting right here. They do look very much like the sons. And, and another walking dead reference for you, Mike, uh, you know, between walking dead, which has a comic book, sorry, graphic novel as a uh, source material and then you know lots of uh disney cartoons uh sorry animated films uh being referenced here i think the casting on both shows does a good job of finding actors to portray uh kind of look-alike characters i mean it's mm-hmm. things like snow white and cinderella are to some extent timeless but for very recent things uh it, it seems like they're, they're doing a good job of, of somewhat capturing the essence of the characters and i think you know kudos to both you know kudos to the similarities between walking dead and once upon a time <laughs> Well, for the three of you that are still listening after Kurt kind of uh, offhandedly insulted both <laughs> graphic novels and Disney films, uh, let's continue <laughs> on here. So the, so as you said before, Fergus kind of comes in basically telling the witch like, come on, give me something magical too. And she creates a magical helm, which will give him exactly what he wants. We'll find out later exactly what that is. But let's let's go to the uh, the coronation here. And right when things are about to happen, the witch comes in. And again, I, had, I hate to keep referencing Princess Bride here, but I feel like like this is very reminiscent of boo, boo, because uh, she sort of causes a scene here at the party. True. It also, to me, was reminiscent of like the very first scenes in Once Upon a Time where you know Snow White and Prince Charming are getting married and Regina comes in and, you know, everything, you know, the ways part and she comes in. It's it, it very much an end. It was the very much, I think, a by the book. Uh, entrance of the witch into the large ceremony slash celebration. Yes. Uh, and so, you know, the witch, I also, I also have a question about like, I wonder, and this wasn't emphasized, this wasn't brought up in the movie either of like how well known is the witch in this community? Cause from what I remember, I believe Merida 
accidentally runs into the witch in the movie and then she just happens to you know be someone that transforms her mom into a bear i don't think that people know about the witch at this point unless merida told them after the events of brave yeah maybe it almost seems like almost the perhaps the royal family knows of her but if she if she makes cakes and stuff she's got to be selling it at like the local you know farmer's market or something so they may they may not know her as the witch but they may know or know her as you know uh uh yeah granola martha who sells her cakes at the farmer's market i mean Um, to be to be fair she owes a lot of money in rent but she turns all of her landlords into bears so she she kind of freeloads yeah yeah true true so she has kind of a proposition here she says you know i made a deal with the late great king fergus he died before he could live up to it so basically give me ten thousand, and i forget the name of the currency or i'm going to turn everyone into bears which is probably one of the silliest uh, negotiations I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Although I was like, uh, you return the helm of cursing the entire kingdom and everyone will become a bear. I'm like, you really didn't <laughs> yeah. need to clarify. Cause I think we all saw that that was probably the likely outcome. <laughs> I just, I love, it just sounds so it's like a Dr. Evil, like goofy type of, uh, attempted evil there. Like I, yes, I mean, bears are, ferocious but i don't know i feel like on this show it would be they turn to like the country bears <laughs> the jamboree yes they'd be playing in the jamboree <laughs> well did you notice that like off to the side of the coronation was like a giant stuffed bear and given yeah. that like i feel that like nine out of ten times you kill a bear in this area it's actually a person you just killed um that's awfully <laughs> gruesome <laughs> Well, I mean, and spoiler alert, that does happen in Brave. The giant bear that's the enemy is was actually a man that got turned into See, a bear. I haven't even seen the movie, and I already know that like everybody's every bear is actually a person. For well, if you believe, if you believe, if you, if you believe in karma, every animal is a person as well. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get off that talk for now. Uh, back in the present, uh, uh, back you know after the witch declares her proposition. Um, Merida decides to get on. She kind of pursues the path here of, well, I saw dad was wearing this helm when he got killed on the battlefield. So I'm going to sleuth it out. I'm going to figure out who killed dad at the same time, figure out where the helm is, which is a pretty convenient, but I guess we get this little mystery that probably nobody was wondering about gets solved. And luckily that crime scene has been preserved for two years. (laughs) Yes, exactly. This is like a whodunit S thing of like very sanitary crime scene. Um, Like nobody after several years, nobody's trampled over it. Maybe they wanted to like, maybe it was like a historical battleground. People tore it nowadays. Yeah, uh, I was going to do a Giles impression from Who Done It, but I don't think that's appropriate at this point. <laughs> Merida, I, I was going to go to spoiler Mulan. <laughs> but, oh, I, uh, <laughs> I, could, I didn't hear Mulan at first. I thought you just said blah. Oh no. no. Um, uh, so we jump into flashback here, and we we the rest of these flashbacks basically take place on the battlefield. Um, we forgot to to mention that the reason why Fergus came to the witch is that she he feels that Southern invaders are coming up to attack his kingdom, and he he wants a way to lead. And now we get some nice little uh, battlefield misogyny here, where the clansmen are saying, "Oh, girl, girls can't fight," and so he has hired someone to train her in the art of war. And Kurt, you. We're hopefully not spoiled about this. Uh, how was, did you feel about... Oh, you were? No, I wasn't. I wasn't. Okay, so how? So tell me, how did you feel when you first saw Mulan take off that mask? I had warm, tingly feelings. I was very happy. To- <laughs> well, I don't know if she reciprocates those. Kurt. I, don't I think, think she she's, does. Don't she's think swinging does. for the other <laughs> army. <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> she's she's fighting with the other Cutlass. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was I was like, okay, you know what? This just got interesting, and for several reasons. Um, uh, I was, 
again, this is about where it turned around for me. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Okay. No, this is kind of cool. And I'm glad that they did this. Um, I don't know. I was, yeah. So I take it. I also just side note. I like Merida's hair from two years ago more than her big. Yeah. Her hair, I was going to write that down. Her hair is so much flatter. Like, did her father's death, did her mourning, like, increase the volume of her hair over these two years? <laughs> I think she's got a volumizer. That's It's the witch has it. It's another, because it's you know, very, the witch has very full hair, too. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. I will condition your hair or I'll turn you into a pear. Um, but no, I take it you knew, that was this a casting thing you knew about? Yes. Uh, uh, okay. there, it was, it was hyped up immensely that Mulan, both Mulan and Ruby would be returning in some form this half season. Yeah. And the promo pics showed the three of them standing together. Yeah. And I, I, I did not know about either of them and I, and you know what? For, and I think that's why I enjoy not knowing about casting spoilers because I really, it really made my enjoyment of the episode go that much more. I think there's another casting spoiler that I was made aware of that I'm not going to yeah. talk about in case people don't know it. Um, but it, between seeing Dr. Whale and Mulan and later Ruby, this uh, future casting spoiler does make sense to me. If it's kind of supposed to be in the same vein, it makes me look a little bit more forward to the upcoming episodes, even though I'm already looking forward to the upcoming episodes for like those little appearances of additional people from the past. Um, so, yeah, I was very was like, oh, OK, this is kind of cool. This is kind of cool. And I was happy to see Jamie Chung back because, I mean, I think especially the way we left the her character, I mean, I think we talked about this in our season three, season two podcast. I can't remember, but how we talked about how awesome it was that, I mean, once upon a time, albeit a little under the table, was still referencing a same sex relationship in a fairy tale setting, which I think was very cool and very modern of them. I, I'm a little confused, though, because I believe last time we saw Mulan, she was joining up with the Merry Men at the end of season three. So I'm not sure how she got separated from them and ended up just kind of on her own. Well, I mean, you, Merry Men in Sherwood Forest is, is very similar in like location to like, you know, the, the British Isles. And so, you know, maybe maybe for the kind of looking at the geography that kind of Sherwood Forest separates Camelot from the Enchanted Forest. Maybe it's that bridge. Um, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe she just, uh, was tired of robbing from the rich to give the poor and just wanted to rob from the middle class. Um, I, I, I don't know, but, uh, I, I was very intrigued by it. Uh, also this opens the door for us once again, once upon a time podcast, deep cut. <laughs> we can find out what the hell happened to Philip's soul. <laughs> no, we're not. I, I, I highly doubt. I mean, I'm very surprised we did not get a Mulan flashback though. She had to kind of give some exposition at the very end that, Oh, the reason why I, I sort of have gone off the deep end and just started robbing people is because I had to deal with my feelings for Aurora, which I, I sort of don't believe here. I feel like that that's a little, a little bit of a shallow form of reasoning. But I was surprised that you know we got a Ruby flashback to sort of explain where she was. I'm surprised they didn't like just have Jamie Chung come out for like an afternoon and we're like, okay, we're just gonna have you, you know, talk to Aurora's and we'll we'll film her from the back so we don't need to actually use the actress and then you can go off into the forest and start brooding. Yeah. Um it although it's I'm not I'm not completely sure. It seems like I, I I just don't know. I just don't know. Um, yeah. And I I it's I'll talk more about where the future potentially had, had is for Milan when we get to the end of the episode. But uh, long story short, was I was pleasantly surprised. And like I said, me not knowing that and that happening um, made me enjoy this episode. I think more than I otherwise would have. Yeah, I think uh, you definitely benefited from the element of surprise there. This is definitely a case where my knowledge got the best of me, where I think once once I knew it was coming, it was probably a little more like, oh, I guess this is how it happens rather than being pleasantly surprised at it. Uh, but let's see what Mulan's up to here. And it's up to no good is what she's doing, where <laughs> she's basically robbing these 
men and threatening to cut off hands, but Meredith stops them. And Meredith very much emphasizes, like, you're not the way you used to be, uh, but I'll pay you anyway if you help me. Yeah, the... Um she's it seems like she's almost like collecting payment from these thugs but she had an incomplete shipment of something yeah it seemed like, she it seemed like she's basically she's like the the, the whiskey delivery girl exactly. uh, and, and they shorted they shorted him on they shorted them on their order and so she decides to instead of them registering a complaint with customer service she decides to kill them yeah and it, it kind of calls back that you know mulan was there to teach her one of the, the most important thing in, two years ago was teaching her about honor in battle and you know at this point now you know mulan seems to have no interest in helping merida and say like, well what happened to this honor uh what happened to you is like, well, honor won't fill my purse so like, okay fine i'll pay you i, I don't yeah. have i don't have ten thousand in the local currency but what little i do have i i can pay you and then you can come come help she's well, a, fine but a lot more mercenary than she i used mean to be. Well, i think what we realize is that off camera meredith said or i'll turn you into a bear <laughs> <laughs> i just want that to be a default like threat nowadays on once upon a time it's the next big curse to hit storybrook everybody's exactly. gonna turn into, yeah the witch the witch becomes the new baddie in season six or the back half of season five and the big curse that everyone's facing is that they're all going to be turned into bears and, and then and then goldilocks <laughs> is the main character that comes in it's like oh, i'm just tired of dealing with three bears and now it's an entire town of bears and then there's a brother bear that comes in and then they all play at the jamboree it all makes sense oh my goodness so let's go to the witch's hut here. We see uh, our two villains kind of, and this remind. I mean, this is like, this almost reminds me of like Emperor's new groove in terms of like, we have a group of heroes and a group of villains and they're sort of circling each other here. Uh, but we go to the witch hut, witch's hut and nobody's there except for a wolf. And Kurt, obviously I don't think at this point you realize what was happening, but that's a uh, pretty big foreshadowing when we see a wolf and Zelina incapacitates it i actually had in my nose i referred to it as the big bad wolf which i guess is a little bit more three little pigs than it is uh real red riding hood um but i think part of me i I think part of me even wondered what happened oh yeah whatever we haven't seen much of ruby lately Uh, but I, i did not connect um at this point i didn't connect the wolf to because uh, I was actually confused, like why isn't that? Why doesn't she have an attack bear? Um, but yeah, I, I didn't quite put two and two together here. Yeah, um, and it does seem again. It seems a little random if you don't know about it beforehand, and then it all makes sense later on. But uh, with with her guard dog knocked out, they confront the witch about we need the magic helm. Uh, but the witch is sort of threatened into admitting that. Merida was sent to go get it and Arthur's it's just it happens to be that Arthur is happens to be angry at Merida because she's the woman that happened to escape from his jail not too long ago yeah lots of coincidences here yes I mean it's a I think it's a small enough world it's a small world after all that these people know each other yes and I think that's appropriate given the Disney link yeah absolutely uh so meanwhile let's get let's get to our crime scene here as Merida Mulan uh CSI arrive and they notice Again, in a perfectly preserved crime scene, they find the arrow that Merida shot and also this scrap of fabric that Merida was able to hit in spite of not actually hitting the uh, the mysterious knight. Mulan is still kind of like throwing a fit about things. Um, and, you know, Merida's like, well, you, you know, come on, show some sympathy. My dad's dead. And she says, you know, a true warrior doesn't let anyone hurt them. And then yeah. she storms off. So do you, I feel like in these past two hours, we've dealt with a lot of moodiness from these characters. Maybe Mulan's another dark one. <laughs> oh no they tethered her soul to the handle of excalibur yeah, another part of excalibur the sheath yeah the, the scabbard 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> there, there was everyone's taking up our dark real estate on Excalibur. Yeah, there's only so much you can claim. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, this ties in perfectly to the flashback here, where we see you know some more training going on. And, Montage. And the, yeah, but I mean, we do have a, we do have a montage through flashbacks here. I don't I don't know if Merida's getting better. It seems like even in the in the in the day of the of the battle, she's still getting knocked on her ass. So I'm not sure what the purpose of the training is, aside from Mulan to be like. Hey, don't uh, don't let the haters get to you. And another, it's like you know what you are amazing with the bow and arrow. Let's why don't you stick with the bow and arrow? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, hey, your dad gave you his first war bow. You should probably be using it for something. But we're maybe she's maybe she's just building core arm strength uh, intentionally by having her swing the sword around. That's true. And I guess we do see later on that she's not exactly perfect with the bow and arrow. <laughs> no, she's. I mean, you know, one out of every fifty times she'll miss. Still but that one time you miss, though, it's really a kicker. Absolutely. Uh, so, meanwhile, back at the crime scene, Mulan detects that someone's coming, and it turns out it's Selena and Arthur, and they sort of have a little bit of a confrontation here. And Arthur uh, drops some truth about. We finally figure out what the helm does, which is the helm makes other men fight your battles, no matter how dangerous that may be. And so, Merida is now convinced that her father is sort of a coward. Because according to her, he used this helm to send these innocent men to their deaths in this battle for him. Yeah, a couple of revelations here. Yeah, Merida's dad wasn't a real leader, and Arthur plans on using magic to get his knights to fight his dark one battle for him. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, which is, I mean, I again, this is probably when I was sort of like, oh, I don't think that's true because I do not think they would want to paint her dad in a bad light. I feel like that'd be extremely depressing to be like, well, Merida's father is a disgrace, but she's good. Yeah, and and at, at this point. I don't think I'd quite gotten that far yet. It was a little bit more further. You were still reeling from Mulan being there. I'm like, Mulan! (laughs) Put the camera back on Mulan! Yeah. Uh, So Zelina makes a grab for Merida's bow, and we have our old friend the locator spell back again in our lives. Uh, So she's gonna... And this is actually a pretty smart plan, I think, to use a location spell on the bow to guide it to the helm, because I guess they both touched Fergus's head, and I guess that counts. I don't know if the bow touched Fergus's head, but they're both like, they're kind of his, his belongings. Like it's basically yeah. using like likeness magic, like that they, they have an attraction to each other because they both have this common bond of Fergus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so Zelina decides to, uh, to rub it in a little bit more before they poof and talks about how, Oh, Fergus must've been a terrible leader, which is adding a lot of insult to Hendry considering she took the only thing that's left of her father. <laughs> Yeah, and she's basically Merida is all set to go home and give up and tell the others to find the helm because she obviously can't. Yeah, before they get turned into bears. Bears. But and Mulan tells her, you know, you can't give up. But she's not exactly the most uh, shining example of tenacity there is. No, not exactly. So we we flash back here and we get our our poignant father daughter conversation where uh, Merida is, Fergus is sort of pontificating over the water and Merida comes up to him and she basically as uh, Mulan told her to go to him to ask you know how do you lead an army uh, because she's having a lot of difficulty kind of compartmentalizing that with the obvious misogyny that's going on in the battlefield um, and Fergus sort of. He, you could see, I could see twinges of guilt in his eye, which again made me think that he eventually threw the helm away. But he talks about, he sort of lies to her and says, you know, these men will follow the person who knows they're willing to die for them. Uh, which again is rather poignant when you know exactly what the helm does. Yeah. And when you know exactly how uh, Fergus meets his end, like he's like, you have to show them you're the first one willing to die. Um, and he does end up doing that. And I think the question here is, I, I'm wondering to what extent we're supposed to be wondering is he throwing the 
you know, for the people who are wondering, does he end up kind of tossing the helm into the water? Uh, is that where the writers wanted us to get ourselves or are we getting there a little bit ahead of time? Yeah, um, I, th- I think, I think we're getting there ahead of time. I think the writers intended them intended him to just feel guilty about what he's doing, but to not, I don't think he, they wanted people to assume that, Oh yeah, he decided to do the right thing and threw the helm into the lake. Mm-hmm. And, and if he did that, I really wish they'd shown the scene cause they wanted him to, uh, act like the old lady at the end of Titanic uh, when she drops the heart of the ocean back into the water. <laughs> that's a do you know how much that's worth? <laughs> Oop. <laughs> uh, so Mulan goes back to decides you know with Merida heading home despondent. Mulan says, "I'm going to forge my own path here. Let me go back to the witch's hut to find out where this fabric came from." And she finds the guard wolf, but uh, just so happens there's a convenient cauldron there outside, and she spills it over to reveal. Surprise number two of the evening, Kurt Clark. It is the re- long way to return of Ruby. I've always liked Ruby, and I'm glad that she's back. Um, uh, and again, I'm just smiling at this point. Although when when Mulan said, you're not a wolf, you just need help remembering who you are. I was like, no, that's not. Is that Ruby? No. And sure enough, it was Ruby. It's I, I, I mean, I love it. And I, I really like the character in seasons one and two. It just seems so freaking random to the point of where they had to like shoehorn in a flashback scene to say like, this is how she got here. You know, I, I would rather do what they did with Granny and the and the dwarves and just put her back in Storybrooke than rather than have her have to be a part of this episode. Um... I liked here's the thing like Mulan and Ruby saved this episode for me. So I'm glad that she came back. But again, it's one of those past, you know, but you know, if she'd always been around, you know, maybe I feel differently. I'm not sure. It's, um, I think it's a lot easier to have like a Ruby centric episode or Ruby involved episode than a granny involved episode. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I was, I was, I was happy with the way that they treated it. I don't know if we needed the flashback, um about you know from back to season three how she got here i think it could have been told verbally potentially um Mm -hmm. but to me it actually all worked out nicely i mean i i I, again i love the character so that made up up for me a little bit again i just thought it was a little random especially you know having this news beforehand it just led my mind to wonder about like okay how are they going to be involved in this and then to find them kind of like oh they're just sort of there was a little lazy in my opinion that that being said i mean i was happy to have the character here, but let's talk about this flashback scene a little bit, Kirk, because I, can you think of a time we've ever done this before where we see like almost the other side of a scene that's already happened? Not that I can recall right offhand. Uh, I'm sure maybe, maybe it's happened once or twice, but for the most part, this, this seemed, um, like, I want to say that there was a part where like a squid ink episode where it did happen. Um, yeah, but, uh, it, it it did seem pretty new and it's and I was trying to figure out if how much of it was uh past footage because you did see like or when they, in the celebration at the end of season two when the announcement of Prince Neil, you did see Aurora there. And I'm sure they wouldn't have like gone back and refilmed it with much of that. Mm-hmm. But it was more of I think just they used some some footage um from that. But then, you know, let's find the clothes that Mary Margaret was wearing in this scene and you know, put her back in those so that we can film this, you know, back room conversation between Mary Margaret and Ruby. Yeah. So yes. Yeah, so so Snow does find Ruby kind of brooding here, and again, this again seems random, but maybe it's because we didn't hear a lot from Ruby in season three. But I'm trying to remember. I think her last flashback episode was in season two, and this sort of relates to what she's been feeling in this in this flashback scene because from what I remember, wasn't that the flashback where like she joined with this werewolf clan, but they basically like all got slaughtered? Yeah. Although 
I think that there was some, um, I think there was some season three Ruby, uh, going on as well in the, uh, it was uh, this when they, oh yeah, she was, I think she was helping out bell when Neverland stuff was going on. Yeah. There was, there was some bell. Well, I think there, there was, there was some stuff from, of, of Ruby in the enchanted forest. I thought it was like during the Zelina times. Um, but yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head. But yeah, it's been a while. I think she was recruited to help um, in that. Yeah, went back when they when they went back after you know the town base. Everyone had to basically get sent back to avoid the town getting destroyed in the middle of season three. Yeah, um, I, I do remember her like doing a couple things, but there was nothing too big. Oh, yeah, it's, um, it's never well. It's it's never been Ruby centric. It, no. it, it's beyond the first couple seasons. Yeah, but so, but I thought, you know, if we're going back to her season two flashback, I thought this was a really nice tie that, yeah. you know, and I, I wish now we could have a time machine to go back and say like, let's keep Ruby on and knowing that her, the show that she left to be on was going to fail and let's have her focus more on these feelings of feeling left out because we don't really have the, if, the, if we had those feelings in the beginning of Once Upon a Time, those quickly faded away once we started pursuing more like big bads and more half season story arcs because i think it's an interesting sort of plot to mine here of like yes we're all fairy tale characters but i feel different from the rest of you because i have this condition that none of you have right and it may have been one of the, also the biggest kind of um you know i don't want to say that it was kind of tampering with the story but you know you know typically you've got little red riding hood and you've got the wolf but it turns out in this case it's kind of one and the same and mm-hmm. and that was kind of like the the, the big twist so it was she's also kind of different from that perspective that she's not also the traditional uh, storybook character. And so how did you feel? We talked about this last week. How did you feel about a tiny reference? Um, no, I, I was like, <laughs> okay, that's another one. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I started to like, tr- turn that into a drinking game. It's like every time somebody who has not been on the show in a year or, or, or more is mentioned uh, expressly or appears, uh, take a drink. Neil. Yeah. Well, no, he keeps being mentioned. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's the constant in this equation. Uh, it, so, and I think this was kind of a way for the writers themselves to kind of retcon this whole sort of plot hole of like, well, we talk about these ways to go between realms, but they, even though Zelina tried, you know, I think it was either Zelina or Regina burned down the, the plants, the, the bean plants, couldn't they still try to grow some? And they sort of explain it here. We're like, it's pretty much insalvageable except for one bean, which Ruby's going to use to go into the, to, to back to the enchanted forest. Well, you know what? And, and I think that's fair. I think, I think that, uh, you know, things are finally kind of settled down here in Storybrook. So let her use the bean. That's fine. I mean, I know that like snow is says, do whatever makes you happy, but shouldn't snow tell her like, Hey, say goodbye to granny. Cause I feel like they have a, a pretty deep seated relationship. Like what I feel like red should say goodbye to at least a few people before she disappears forever. I'm assuming that she did. Like, I don't know that she didn't. Um, like she, didn't, I, I feel like, I feel like if she didn't, they would stop her from going. That's the only thing that makes me believe that she didn't oh, tell them. No, I think, you know, she, she seemed pretty dead set on this. And I think, you know, we saw throughout season one that she shows up late back home and, and doesn't necessarily obey granny. I think if she kind of explained things to granny, that granny would get it. Um, so I, I think that, uh, I, I think there's enough of a loving relationship there that she wouldn't just take off and not say where she was going and worry the hell out of granny. So mm-hmm. my, my assumption is that, you know, you know, she got her, 
she canceled her credit cards and she took care of everything logistically. And uh, I, I, just, I just like to think that all was copacetic between uh, Ruby and her ties and storybook before she left to go find some other wolves. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I could definitely understand that. Just for some reason, like I, I felt like we we wanted, we should. I wish we'd had more actors so we could have more of a poignant goodbye than just her and Mary Margaret represented on screen. Yeah, but it turns out she not only did she go back to the Enchanted Forest, um, and she ended up going to the witch for help and kind of got enslaved. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how she found out about that because it seems like nobody else knew about Dunbrock. Maybe she, maybe her pack ended up like wandering Dunbrock before they all got taken when she came back. And so she thought like, oh yeah, there happens to be a witch nearby. Let me try to help. Oh wait, this witch is turning me not into a bear, <laughs> but into her guard dog. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it could be. I mean, she, she, we know she's got a good sense of smell. Maybe they're, she followed the trail up there, but they had moved on. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, but Mulan seems to be going down the right path here and she wants to utilize Ruby to help her do the right thing. And so they, they kind of stop Merida from deciding to hand over uh, finding the helm to the other clansmen. Uh, they kind of burst in on the scene and Ruby is going to go full wolf here and use her se- her power of scent in order to her own sort of locator spell to track where this cloak belongs to. Yeah, I, I did... I have to say, I, I did see this coming in terms of like, well, how are we going to, yeah. you know, it looked like they were going to the witch to ask her about, um, uh, you know, that the, the witch might be able to do, I don't know if it was a locator spell for the cloak or that she might recognize the pattern on the cloak, but she, the witch seemed to be an expert in the cloak. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I figured they, that the the scent would, would uh, they, they'd be utilizing the scent uh, and, and Ruby's abilities to, to track down the, the, the killer. Let's go to battle day, Kurt. Uh, and it looks like after their talk, Fergus purposely told Mulan to keep Merida away from battle. And Merida quickly realizes this when the war horns sound. And we get uh, probably the most like Game of Thrones-esque action we've ever had on Once Upon a Time. Braveheart light. <laughs> I mean, literally, Fergus gives them a pump-up speech as well. It's not, you know, they can never take away our freedom, but it's still very invigorating. <laughs> they can never take away our extras and per diems. <laughs> they will never turn us into bears! <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, this was, I would say, and Once Upon a Time has never really done, I think even during the Ogre Wars, they haven't had these, like, brawls before. So I would say, like, or, they did a pretty good job. Especially, uh, stabbing through the back and out the chest. Yeah, that was, <laughs> I, this was like, I would, I almost called it PG Game of Thrones, but this is more like G Game of Thrones or PG-13, because people are still, like, whacking each other, but they aren't full out, like, Except for that one stab, nobody's getting their limbs cut off. Nobody's getting a mace in the head. So it still is pretty network TV. Yeah, it, 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 but it, I think it's as close as they've gotten like in a long, long time. Absolutely. So uh, Merida sees a knight approach her father from the top of the hill from behind. And as she's told the story before, she misses and the her dad is dead almost in the uh like an mm, what you say type of fashion in slow motion <laughs> he hits the ground and and at this point i'm like those those guys look a lot like they could be and we know they're from the south and the south they were for the, the northern lands and it is it, it me it, could this be the camelotians and but then that's when i started going through my head was, okay so if this if this is arthur then you know, and the person who killed Fergus's dad has the helm, but Arthur's looking for the helm. I'm conf- No, it can't be him. 
Yeah, I was, I'll admit, I was a little, I don't want to use the term disappointed, but I was a little disheartened when I, because I was like, oh, I kind of wish that it was like somebody else, you know? Because I feel like Arthur is almost the obvious choice here. I mean, I, he's not, he's not like obvious, like blaring, but I, 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 once I saw it, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. I'm a little saddened because it makes sense. Before we saw the battle scene, I was wondering if these, these uh, attackers from the South, if it was going to be some new kind of character that was introduced and again that's one of the big things i like about once upon a time is this introduction of characters we know like is it you know yeah Mowgli and baloo attacking from the south uh, from the jungle book or, oh, or, he doesn't need to be turned into a bear yes, but he's already a bear <laughs> that would be a great time <laughs> Turn into a, a triple dog bear yeah um but uh it's yeah it, it, it was it was a little of a underwhelm and a little bit again to me the confusion in terms of wait did i just find a hole in the logic and it seemed like i had found a glaring hole in the logic but i thought that maybe there's an explanation i'm not thinking of mm-hmm. and it turned out there was as, yeah. to, as to why arthur was looking for a helm still and we're about to get to that uh, yeah. explanation right here at the lake as uh the bow leads arthur and Zelina to where fergus and merida had that talk and again I even wrote in my notes, bet you he threw the helm in the lake. Cause yeah. like once we got there, I'm like, Oh, I'm pretty sure that's where it is. Um, and Mer- Merida, Ruby and Mulan show up just in time. And Arthur explains as you, as you just talked about that he had heard about, you know, he was on his search, his never ending search to unite Excalibur fervently searching. And he had found out there was magic in Dunbrock and decided to pursue it. Um, which maybe it's a matter of convenience. Cause I also, I mean, I'm assuming he had heard there was probably magic in the enchanted forest as well. Right. And he didn't go in that territory. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like I mean, he give it to Arthur. He's really good at collecting magical uh, relics for his reliquary. Um, yeah, that's, that's, I, I was wondering, that's what, when I th- looked at the helm, I'm like, Oh, that could be something that could totally be in the reliquary. Yeah. And, um, it's, Again, I think there's one thing that he he seems to be good at that, but you've got a good point. It's like there's like one magic item up here, supposedly maybe in Dunbroch, but then there's this enchanted forest where you can't like you know you know you know swing a dragon without hitting magic items. Um, yeah. So, but no, he added, but he he needs this. It's not part of his current stash. Yeah, and he's and he's still it's it's like he's uh he's looking for like that rare collector's card. Uh, and that collector's card is this helm here, though. He's he's actually going to use the card this time. Um, and he reveals again what I thought, which was that the helm he took from the day that day on the battlefield was not enchanted, and the helm that's rising out of the lake is indeed the real helm. And it turns out that Fergus wasn't a fraud after all. He did it by himself. Yay! Although, you kind of want to see that 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 scene where Arthur tries to command the Knights of the Round Table to yeah. do something really, really against their best interest. And they're like, uh, no. And he's like, <laughs> now men, kill this puppy! <laughs> no. He's like, but I'm telling you. He's like, and we're telling you no. And, and, and you'd think that that would actually kind of be a breaking point with them. It's like, it's like that, that time where he actually found out that the helm was fake. What was he trying to get them to do? Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, this is uh, another test. Like the sword in the stone. Yes, I've been tested and we've all succeeded in detecting the fake helm. We did it, Ben. Uh, but yeah, but no, he's had to come back here. And uh, again, and this is where we were saying that... Um, it it doesn't end up going well for Arthur and Zelina. No, because Merida and Arthur decide to square off. So this is again, Merida's uh, sort of Inigo Montoya versus the six fingered man battle. Uh, and meanwhile, Zelina's run off and 
it's before it becomes a very one-sided battle of fireball versus sword uh ruby <laughs> comes in to get some revenge and give her a sleeping powder yeah she and, and i was like oh, okay that that you remembered well done <laughs> yeah you got a, got a potential job as an anesthesiologist on the side if you ever come back to storybrook um that and that although the whole kind of like later on the slightly walking slightly you know, coherent Zelina who can do just enough magic to summon her her way out of things, but to not really do any damage. That was a little strange, but yeah. Um, Arthur is about to, yeah, you know, Mulan and Ruby have basically taken care of Zelina and then Arthur is about to kill Merida, but the, uh, the three, the three clan sons end up saving her. Yeah. And, uh, this, I feel like was something we, like the uh, you know the point of it was like oh yes the men she can finally lead and the men believe in her but this is a total rehash of how we ended her previous episode right I I feel like there wasn't any sort of even though Macintosh was resilient to give her the crown at the very beginning in the coronation we didn't see too much evidence of Merida struggling to lead these people so I feel like we didn't need to see yet again Merida can't get these guys in her court oh now she does by impressing them yeah but the way she impressed them was like that she was willing to sacrifice the crown to save the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, even I think she was afraid that, and she might've even been afraid that, you know, well, I didn't defeat Arthur and these guys saw me in a position of weakness and they had to save me. But even though that is the case, the fact that I was said, I'm going to give up the crown to, and, and leave town. So um, that the, the town doesn't, be, you know, that the, the clans don't get cursed. Um, and I was going to let other people do it. The fact that I was willing to give up the, the crown for the good of the clans, it seemed to impress them even more, which I didn't necessarily expect. I, I did kind of expect like the lead uh, clan bro to, uh, to Macanbro. met the really Mac and bro. Yeah. To, uh, uh, you know, say, well, see, you couldn't even save yourself, but no, he was pretty cool about it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they so they they even the most resilient ones bent the knee. And after Arthur and Zelina disappear, we have the coronation ceremony, take two, and the witch arrives again, expecting the helm. But Merida is going to destroy the helm, and rather than getting turned into a bear, it turns out slow clap. It was all a test. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that when we started this podcast. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of. Uh, hokey. hokey. So yeah. So the she, her father wanted something that would ensure that his kingdom, you know, was led with power down the road. But the way that the witch chose to ensure that this that the the future of the kingdom was by testing the daughter and to show that uh, the ruler that you did that was selected is indeed you know worthy of it and she passed the test and was and it's strange it's more like the witch didn't really so much guarantee the future of the kingdom but more like validated the future of the kingdom so wait are we to believe that the witch knew that this was going to happen and that's why she made it or did she say like i'm gonna make this with the hope that your son or daughter one day will be able to realize what this truly represents that's what i was saying it was it was less of a guarantee and more of a validation yeah (laughs) um I do like the fact that it's really like kind of like, and so everybody here, you see that I do guarantee that, that I once again, uh, deliver on my goods. And so it's almost like she was almost like handing out coupons for her, yeah, for, exactly. for, 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 um, like hoping to get good Yelp reviews, uh, out of, out of the whole situation. <laughs> Give me a good review and you will not be turned into a bear. Oh, a bear. Um, uh- and and so as a gift, she also, aside from the coupons, she provides this skin of magical ale, which uh, apparently if you 
get, drink a cup or spill some on the ground. Uh, it's almost like the resurrection stone from Harry Potter. A you'll be able to basically have a seance with someone who has passed beyond. Yeah, although I mean, let, let let's be. You know, we're jumping a little bit ahead here to the grave. Um, I had thought that, you know, if um, if you're given a skin of ale and you're told that a cup of this will summon your spirits from the dead, I didn't think that you dump it out, ho- like, you know, to honor your homies on the grave. Yeah, exactly. Uh, pour, pour one, one out. out. Yeah, pour <laughs> one out. Um, I would have thought you'd drink it. And then she just, and she doesn't really kind of do it. She kind of like just like underhand, like like you throw a water balloon, just kind of like underhand, like splashed the, some of the ale on the yeah. dad's grave. I was like, Maybe it should have come with instructions because I'm not quite sure that that's how I would have done it. I would have drank it. <laughs> yeah, I, or I would have like been in like like I don't also didn't think you need to like sprinkle it. Like again, I thought it was a seance that you didn't you didn't need to sprinkle it like where he died or where he was buried. You could just like like you know put put inside like light some candles, pour a cup, and then drink it down, and then you'll be able to see him. <laughs> Sacrifice a goat. It gets really dark all of a sudden. Yeah, well, that for all we know, that goat could have been a person. <laughs> I need a young bear and an old bear. Um, uh, it, uh, yeah, especially like if it's about seeing something, my immediate thing, it might like having visions. I immediately go to drink the alcohol. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so at Fergus's grave, uh, we have a little last farewell from the uh, the, the the gal pal bunch here. And um, so Milan decides, does the honorable thing. I'm going to get the gold back after all. And she finally reveals that basically the reason why she decided to turn over to a life of crime is because she was basically expressing her rage after being heartbroken by Aurora. Uh, and so Ruby decides to help her by joining, by saying, come with me on this search for werewolves. Kurt, I may, this may be fan fiction. Were you detecting a little bit of tension between Ruby and Mulan? What do you mean by tension, Mike Blue? <laughs> of the PG variety? Um, I was, but I also think it was in my own head. Um, the, the, there's something interesting about like webisodes of the vo- travels of Ruby and Mulan. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, a, AKA movie. <laughs> movie. It's like, that sounds like a really like bad it, Moby cover band. It was, I think it was the name of the uh, movies was the name of the, um, of the restaurant that they worked at in clerks too. Um, oh, I thought you were talking about a um, movie was, was that the alternative nickname of uh meatloaf's character in fight club? Oh, or was yeah. that man boobs? I think it was man boobs. <laughs> Um, but I, 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 I would watch that if there was a, 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 I, I'm interested to see the further adventures of Mulan and Ruby, um, <laughs> coming to a cinema near me. Um, <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit of tension, but again, I think that was just all in my head. Um, but I, I, it, it also makes sense that I, I kind of also get the sense that this might've been a, a, again, no, no spoilers if people know, but I was kind of getting this might be the the last time we see them, right? or that. We, yeah. we, but um, I, I can I can hope. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So as we talked about before, she rather loosely spills the ale on the grave, and she has this sort of final tearful goodbye with her father, uh, Kurt. You met and left Fergus in this episode. Were were you were you emotionally impacted by this reunion? No. i was a little bit but that was also because again i had seen the relationship grow in the uh in the movie and i thought that the actress in particular did a really great job uh, who plays mary did a really great job personifying that emotion but yeah if if you don't know the movie and you've only met this character 45 minutes ago it, it probably doesn't resonate as well yeah it's um it was it was fine um 
I, I, I guess I was more curious about, we talked a bit about it at the, at the front of the show. Um, I was a bit more curious about where this kind of ends up leading to because mm-hmm. really the, the, the week we close on you, know, she, she, she says goodbye to her father and you know, if you, you, you probably have more ale there. You could probably call him again if you wanted to. Um, uh, but you know, she's basically her, she ends the episode with planning to basically go back to Camelot and to confront Arthur. Cause you know, I mean, it's a huge revelation that this man who had imprisoned her before, who she's run into once or twice before is actually the person who killed her father. And that's a big deal for her. And, yeah. you know, and she has vengeance on her mind. Um, yeah. although I guess technically we know future, she actually does get teleported to Storybrooke. Um, and, uh, it's not, yeah, it's a storybook, and she doesn't have any memory of the fact that Arthur's there. So, do we see memories returned, and do we see a future storybook where Merida is trying to kill Arthur in modern day uh, New England? That could that could be very much that could be very possible. I mean, I'm also wondering where Merida will fall into this main story because I'm I'm wondering if it could even be as simple as like Merida happens to walk in at the last minute while Emma's conducting the curse and she gets swept up with them. You know, I'm wondering. We'll have two episodes left of Camelot flashbacks. Is she going to tie into this, the this Emma casting the curse stuff at all, or is she just going to kind of get caught in the crossfire as she tries to pursue Arthur? Yeah, I'm not really, not really sure. I think yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's. I think a lot of it's dependent on, uh, you know, our, we talked a little bit about it in, the, in our last podcast. Is you know, we see that Hook has his memories back. Uh, or we're assuming he does. He we, he was shown the Dreamcatcher. I don't know if simply yeah. looking into the Dreamcatcher returns your memories. Well, um, he um he said at the end of the last episode that he his memories were returned of that incident, but he said yeah. he still need, he still wanted to find out what happened in Camelot. So I'm oh, assuming okay. that like it wasn't like like I could have had a V V eight moment where like suddenly every everything came to him. I think he just got selective yeah. memories flooding back. Yeah, because I, I start to think of the um how people in, you know, back in season one began to remember who they were. I think back to, you know, the final episode of lost where, you know, people start suddenly remembering, you know, everything kind of comes clear to them. Yeah. Um, you like that? I threw out a lost reference. How's that? Michael? I know. I'm so happy. And I'm going to have to start flowing, throwing out a walking dead reference next episode too. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah. It, it, again, I, I'm curious on where things go for our next episode. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very, I mean, this was also like, I would say this was like just, it was almost like an intermission in, in, uh, the midst of all the action that happened the past few episodes. And I mean, we have a little bit of a tangential connection here with, with Merida, but you talked before about webisodes. I'm wondering here as we start wrapping things up, like, I wonder if this happened to be, if webisodes were popular again, if this got released (laughs) as like, as, as like webisodes in between seasons 5A and 5B, if that would have been more popular than having it debut at the end of a two-hour marathon after the first hour was so powerful yeah and we, we talked again about that before but it's, it's like it they could have they could have completely just swapped positions in the play order uh uh on sunday except for the fact that in birth episode eight uh you know arthur and zelina escape uh, when Emma is freeing her family and yeah. then they escape to episode nine and then you see their adventures there. That's the only thing that's tying it. And they could have completely, you could have completely had this episode without Zelina and Arthur because they end up, they, their story is advanced. None at all. They come to get the helm. 
they don't leave with they don't leave with the yeah, helm. Exactly. They, they, they have learned nothing about it. They've learned nothing about it. You could have completely had this episode being about Merida uh needing to find the helm to uh to 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 prove herself as a leader or to make herself feel that she can lead. And you could have had some other in like kind of uh contrarian incident there to make it difficult for her to find the helm but she but she eventually finds it and if you had just done that if you'd not had Zelina and Arthur in here you could have swapped the order of the episodes and you could have even had a you could have had a flashback to her seeing that Arthur was the one that killed her dad and that would have had and that's really all that came out of this is that she's now upset with Arthur um I so it's just I'm guessing when this was being produced, maybe they didn't, I don't know how this works. Maybe they didn't know when the episodes were being produced and, and, and laid out that this was going to be how the, the, the back-to-back episodes worked. But I, I just thought, as much as I ended up enjoying this back half a lot more than I thought I would after the first few minutes, I, I do think it was an unfortunate positioning of the two episodes. Yeah, and I think one of the things that might have lost its impact for me as well is that, like, I love this character development from Merida, but again, I'll I'll say, you know, what I talked about with the last Merida episode, which is I have this really overarching feeling that she's only going, she's only, like, for this story arc, you know, that we're not, she's not going to carry over into season 5B, because we haven't really had a character do that besides maybe Zelina and Robin Hood a little bit. So it's, I'm like, okay, you're building all this great stuff and it's, it's interesting, but it's all going to be for naught because we're going to lose her anyway in two episodes from now. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. So if you guys have any other thoughts as to uh, why, why you might, you know, think this episode ties into the larger canon or uh, if, if you think that uh, Mulan and Ruby have any sort of sexual tension between them um, or, you know, if, if you uh, have any other theories as to what the geography of this world might be, you have several ways to reach out to us. As always, you can leave a comment here on postshowrecaps.com. And while you're here, please make sure to subscribe to our Once Upon a Time only feed at postshowrecaps.com slash once iTunes. And please rate, review. We always love that. And as always, you can reach out to us on social media. Kurt Clark, how can people find you? <laughs> On Twitter. Uh, I'm like Kurt. I'm at Kurt Clark, like Kurt Clark, but Clarker. And I am <laughs> at a Mike Bloom type, like at like a Mike, but Bloom typier. Uh, and stay tuned to all this other stuff going on on Post Show Recaps. We might be in a, a momentary lull due to the Thanksgiving holiday, but hopefully we have supplied you guys with enough material across the board to cover your trips to and from and up and down and all around the world as you travel to your family members, various residences, if you live in the United States and celebrate the holiday of Thanksgiving. And we, we wish you a, an early Thanksgiving on behalf of the Once Upon a Recap team. Uh, to finish things off, Kurt, we need a hashtag for people who have made it all the way to the end of this podcast how about hashtag pg game of thrones hashtag pg game of thrones i like it a lot i wonder if that's i mean i can only imagine if there actually is a hashtag what sort of uh funny like at midnight-esque jokes there are but let's mm. let's join in on that fun uh hashtag pg game of thrones if you made it this far we will be back uh by the time you're hearing this next week uh not <laughs> a moment of rest here we will be uh, once upon a time taking a week off but we did not we will be back to cover episode 10 i can't believe it kurt only two episodes left before we go into a three-month hiatus but it is if the end of birth is to indicate anything it is sure to be exciting yes i'm looking forward to it so again hashtag pg game of thrones if you made it this far and uh remember uh you guys who might owe me a little bit of money or a favor just make sure you live up to that or i'll turn you into a bear take care everyone bye-bye